Like many kids, I was into dinosaurs, like a lot. I had books on them. I watched every TV special that came on about them. I bugged my mom to take me to museums where I could see them. One of the appeals is the great mystery, of course, of what the heck happened to them. Science continues to look into this very question. Maybe it was volcanoes, or maybe it was a meteor or something. Maybe they just had crappy eggs. Maybe they weren't interested in sex. Maybe gravity suddenly increased and smushed them. Maybe they farted themselves to death. Maybe they never existed at all. Or maybe they never died at all. Or maybe they helped build the pyramids. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Conspirasaurus Rex, Dynomite Theories About the Dinosaurs. Some background. The discovery of dinosaurs was officially announced in 1842 by British biologist and comparative anatomist Richard Owen. Of course, fossils had been found before that. Heck, there are Chinese writings dating back 2,000 years about finding dragon bones. In 1676, Sir Thomas Pennison found a large femur bone in a quarry in Oxfordshire and gave it to English naturalist Reverend Robert, who thought it belonged to a race of extinct giant humans, or maybe it was a Roman war elephant's bone. William Buckland found a bunch of fossils for what he named a megalosaurus, which means giant lizard, and he wrote about this in what would become the first full account of them, but he thought it was a now extinct larger form of a modern-day lizard species. It was Richard Owen who figured out that these creatures actually walked upright, and he's the one who invented the term dinosauria, meaning terrible lizard. The first real dinosaur fossils, though, were found right in the center of London at 15 Aldersgate Street, which is just a bit north of St. Paul's and next to Postman's Park and the Museum of London. This according to a guy named Hugh Torrens of Keele University. So dinosaurs are announced and named in 1842. By the late 19th century, fossils are being found all over the place. Two American teams competed with one another in and near the Rocky Mountains. One was led by Edward Drinker Cope of the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia, and the other by Othniel Charles Marsh of the Peabody Museum of Natural History at Yale. These were two men who started out on friendly enough terms, but they ended up locked in a fierce rivalry for paleontological supremacy. In Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska, the two teams dug up tons of bones from different sites in what would 
later be known to historians as the Great Dinosaur Rush or the Bone Wars. Their finds would result in the classification of 136 different species of dinosaurs. Along the way, they would bribe, steal, slander, destroy rivals' finds, and otherwise were total dicks to each other. Their methods and fierce competitive attitude damaged Europeans' opinions of American paleontology for a long time after that. Despite all of their Machiavellian machinations, they both died fairly poor. What, what we, we think, think we, we know. know. Today, we've classified about 700 or so species of dinosaurs, and we divide them basically into two distinct categories, avian and non-avian. The non-avian ones all perished in the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event, which happened 65 million years ago, while many of the avian types survived and, through the process of evolution, became birds. So all those birds you see out there are the distant descendants of dinosaurs. Today, there are over 10,000 living species of birds. The smallest living ancestor of the dinosaurs is the male bee hummingbird, which measures around 2.2 inches, which is 5.5 centimeters, and weighs just under 2 grams. That's the weight of two raisins. Crocodilians, which is a category that includes crocodiles, alligators, and caimans, are also distantly related to dinosaurs, but they diverged. Birds obviously went one way into the air, and these others went into the water. So we can deduce from this and from the finds that we've had that dinosaurs at least the avian ones, were kind of like reptiles and kind of like birds. We now know that some species of dinosaurs even had what we call protofeathers. Dinosaurs first showed up on Earth between 243 and 233 million years ago, rising to prominence after the Triassic-Jurassic extinction event. So we get these occasional mass extinction events. So after that one, the dinosaurs rose up and became the dominant life form on the planet and would remain so for 136 million years. That's quite a run. Some of them were big, really big, with some of the largest ever found measuring just under 40 meters or about 130 feet long and 18 meters tall, 59, 60 feet tall. However, they weren't all big. Some of them were very, very small. There was one that was only 20 centimeters long. New fossils are being discovered all the time. Uh, in South Africa, just a few years ago, they found one that they estimate weighed 26,000 pounds and was about the size of two African elephants. They've named it Ledumahadi Mafube, which is a Sesotho term that means giant thunderclap at dawn. 26,000 pounds, that's 13 tons. After a while, while crocodile. crocodile. 66, 65 million years ago, something wiped out 75% of all animal and plant life on Earth. Basically, almost no tetrapods, which are four-limbed creatures, but also include snakes, over 26 kilos, about 55 pounds, survived. So, in that case, the meek really did inherit the Earth, or at least the small inherited the Earth. This is known as the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event, which is sometimes just shortened to K-PG. While some avian dinosaur species did survive this to become birds and alligators and so on, it's estimated that 628, somewhere between 628 to 1,078 non-avian species of dinosaurs all perished. Keep in mind, it wasn't just the dinosaurs. Many, many other creatures died, and so did a number of mammals, mollusks, plants. Insects seem to have been spared, however, and so they multiplied and became as abundant as they are today. 
surviving mammal species then spread and diversified, now becoming the major player on the world stage, or one of. Most species that we see today came from this explosion of diversity in the aftermath of the extinction event. This includes whales, bats, horses, and primates. Primates, of course, eventually led to Homo sapiens sapiens, which is us. Where'd they go? So what caused the KPG event? What made the dinosaurs all die? There were a bunch of these big old things, and now there aren't. What the heck happened? Well, over the years, several theories have been advanced. We'll take a look at some of them. Eggy Wags. In 1925, a paleontologist at Yale named George Wieland suggested that the dinosaurs ate themselves to death because they were so big and they needed so much food and eggs are so nutritious, the big ones ate more eggs than could hatch and thus replenish the population. This may sound silly, they just were gluttons and ate themselves to death, but this was actually one of the very first theories ever advanced as to what might have killed them. Another egg theory put out there in 1979 by H.K. Erben, after he was studying dinosaur eggshell fragments in the Pyrenees, he found that some of the shells were really, really thick with multiple layers, and some of the shells were really, really thin. He thought both of these issues combined to kill off the dinosaurs. The thin ones broke too easily, and then the babies dehydrated or hatched or half-hatched before they were ready. And the thick eggs suffocated the babies or prevented them from escaping in hatching time and they died in the shell. However, these varying eggshell thicknesses have not been observed in egg fossil finds elsewhere, so it looks like it was just a local problem there in the Pyrenees. Glands. In the early 20th century, a Transylvanian-born Hungarian-Romanian aristocrat and spy, Baron Franz Nopcha von Felsu Silvas, who was an eccentric in the early field of paleontology, as well as a uh, geologist and an albanologist, which is the study of the traditional cultures and history of Albania. And he was an adventurer. But he's also one of the founders of the field of paleontology. He had several ideas about what happened to the dinosaurs, including that maybe there was a food shortage, that maybe they just gradually lost interest in sex, or maybe that they were so big because they had overactive pituitary glands, which caused them to grow enormous, which made them sluggish, and also greatly increased the amount of food that they needed to survive, and eventually they just screwed themselves in their ecological niche. Remember, survival of the fittest, that Darwinian phrase which has come down to us, doesn't mean the strongest or the toughest. It means the species that fits their ecological niche the best survives. Like in the case of the big extinction event, if you were small, you have had a much better chance of surviving. You didn't survive that extinction event because you were tough and big. You survived it because you fit your ecological niche the best. You were the fittest. Who are you? A 1962 paper by entomologist Stanley Flanders suggested that larvae from moths and butterflies, caterpillars, did very, very well in the dinosaur era, and they devastated plant life before the herbivore dinosaurs could hatch. When those dinosaurs hatched, there wasn't very much to eat, and they had a tendency to die out from lack of food. The carnivores ate the herbivores, so with all the herbivores dying, the carnivores also died. 
Nice idea, but there's no evidence at all in the fossil record for this, and it's thought that moths and butterflies lived alongside dinosaurs for millions and millions of years with no problems at all. Boom! But far away. Paleontologist Dale Russell teamed up with a physicist named Wallace Tucker in 1971 to suggest that maybe a distant supernova flooded the atmosphere with gamma rays and x-rays, causing temperatures to drop drastically, and that's what killed them off. There is, however, zero evidence to support this. Peekaboo! In 1982, an ophthalmologist, L.R. Croft, said maybe the dinosaurs were exposed to increased light or heat or maybe radiation from that supernova, which caused them to develop cataracts, which made them go blind before they could reach sexual maturity, and that's why they died. Of course, the question then is, what happened to all the other species during the KPG event? Did they also all go blind? COVID-63 million BCE. In 2007, here's a recent one, George Poinard Jr. of Oregon State University wrote a book titled What Bugged the Dinosaurs? Insects, Disease, and Death in the Cretaceous. Modern malaria is thought to have developed maybe as far back as 8 million years ago. I mean, the first human recorded case was in China in 2700 BCE. But there are ancestral forms that have been found in preserved mosquitoes from as far back as 16 million years. Biting midges, which also carry malaria, have been found preserved in amber with a form of malaria from as long as 100 million years ago. So that does maybe fit in with the timeline. In this book, he suggests that maybe bugs carried a plague of some sort, very possibly this form of malaria, killed many dinosaurs, weakened a bunch of the other dinosaurs, and then something else happened, like a meteor strike or what have you, that finished the job. Sausage, Sausage party. party. Seems like every group of people. So you got an ophthalmologist who thinks they went blind. You have an entomologist who thinks that it was insects. So now we have Sherman Silber, who's an infertility expert. He studied at the University of Michigan as well as at Stanford. And he's got an infertility clinic in Missouri and a bunch of different places. He thinks that the sex of dinosaur embryos was determined by climate temperature and that something happened to cause far too many males to be born and not enough females. And that's why they died. Crocodilians, alligators, crocodiles, who are dinosaur descendants, do tend to have more male babies when the eggs are incubated at higher temperatures and females when they're incubated at lower temperatures. So according to Mr. Silber's theory, something caused the temperatures to not decrease, but increase, causing too many boys and not enough girls. Of course, the question there is, well, we see this happen with crocodilians today, so why didn't this happen to them as well? He who, he who smelt, smelt it, it, dealt it. it. As recently as 2012, a paleontologist named David Wilkinson at the University of Lincoln in the United Kingdom gathered a team to calculate how much gas all those big dinosaurs would have passed as they went about their day-to-day -day lives. They thought maybe that there were so many dinosaurs and therefore so many dinosaur farts that the methane levels in the atmosphere spiked and affected the climate. Content-hungry news outlets took this ball and kind of ran with it, saying, oh, these scientists think that the dinosaurs farted themselves to death and farted three-quarters of life on Earth to death. That is not actually what they said. What they're saying was a bit more nuanced than that, but the media outlets didn't care. They just needed a story, and that's an awfully good headline.
Other ideas that have been advanced over the years were that maybe there were several small meteor impacts that happened close together, or maybe a large space object broke up in the atmosphere and spread destruction all over the place, Ukraine, Gulf of Mexico, North Africa, the North Sea, India. Another theory, which was the prevalent theory when I was a kid, was that increased volcanic activity, including what are known as Deccan traps, these release huge amounts of volcanic gases, mainly sulfur dioxide, and that this put all this stuff into the air, plus poison gas, blocked out the sun, and eventually killed off the dinosaurs. We have a winner! Today, the prevailing theory is that a comet or an asteroid or something somewhere between 10 and 15 kilometers wide, which is about six to nine miles wide, pretty big, crashed into the earth, probably off the Yucatan Peninsula, and created the Gulf of Mexico. This ejected material into the atmosphere, creating what's known as an impact winter that blocked out the sun, halted photosynthesis in plants and plankton, and killing cold-blooded animals that needed the sun's warmth to stay warm and function, like the dinosaurs. The impact also aerosolized gypsum, which is a soft sulfate mineral, a main component today in drywall and writing chalk and plaster. And this aerosolized gypsum went into the atmosphere, poisoning the food chain and causing the climate effects to last longer than they maybe would have normally. This is known as the Alvarez Hypothesis after Lewis and Walter Alvarez, a father and son team who first proposed it in 1980. In January of this year, January 2020, new evidence was found that supports this theory. So that's the state of the art for dinosaur demise theories in the scientific community. But in the general populace, there are a lot of other ideas. Alt Extinct Theories, Non-Science Edition. Everyone thinks they're clever, or clever enough to follow logical threads. This, combined with distrust, often brought on by news organizations and politicians in both education and the educated and the scientific establishment, means that it's kind of a, a free-for-all out there, intellectually speaking. The logic goes like this. Look at all these scientific theories. They don't agree with each other, and those are supposed to be the smart people. So who's to say that something else couldn't be true? I'm smart. Maybe I can figure it out from my sofa. Plus, there's confusion about the difference between educated and smart. And there's also confusion about what exactly the word theory means in a scientific context. So, as a result of all of this, you get some fairly fanciful theories, in the non-scientific sense, about what happened to the dinosaurs. Gravity, Gravity sucks. sucks. The largest land animal living today is the African bush elephant. They can get up to four meters tall at the shoulder, and they can weigh 10 or 11 tons. That's big, but that's way smaller than that giant thunderclap at dawn that weighed 13 tons that was recently found in South Africa. Way smaller. So, how'd the dinosaurs get so damn big anyway? This, of course, ignores the fact that most dinosaurs were, in fact, medium-sized, and some of them were, as we said, quite small, not even two feet big. Well, it must be that back in the Mesozoic era, the dinosaur era, gravity was less. So a 13-ton creature really only weighed half that. But then, at the end of the Cretaceous period, something happened that caused Earth's gravity to double, essentially pinning the dinosaurs to the ground and leading to their 
mass extinction, as well as most other life. Smaller creatures were able to weather the gravity storm and survived, becoming most of the things we see living today. What caused this? Maybe the Earth's core changed in some fundamental way. Maybe it was something that came from space. Maybe it was aliens. The, the X-Files. If you go to the prehistoric museum at Utah State University, you will see a display that says quite clearly that aliens could not have killed the dinosaurs because, quote, there is no evidence of aliens or their garbage in the fossil record. Now, that's just like catnip to some people who started wondering, why on earth would you make such a claim in a scientific museum? As if the idea of dinosaur-hating aliens was somehow widespread. Oh, wait a minute, some say. They're saying aliens didn't do it because, in fact, aliens did do it. They're trying to fake us out. And especially if you're already an aliens-are-real person, something like the dinosaurs just gets slotted into that worldview. Now, maybe the aliens killed them accidentally. Maybe they killed them on purpose. Maybe they threw that comet at the Yucatan Peninsula, which is nice because that's the Alvarez hypothesis is true, which is what science thinks is almost certainly what happened. But you get aliens for added spice. Dinosaurs, Dinosaurs aren't, aren't real. real. This idea has been around for a while, but it found new life in 2015 in the summer. Almost certainly this was spurred by the release of the film Jurassic World, which is the fourth installment in the very successful Jurassic Park franchise. Jurassic World was released in the United States on June 12, 2015, and the website Brandwatch traces a massive spike in mentions of the dinosaurs were never real idea starting really around July 1st. Like before 2015, mentions of dinosaurs aren't real on the internet hovered around 1,000. Then right before 2015 started, you got about 25,000 mentions. And then starting July 1st, 180,000 mentions of the dinosaurs aren't real idea. Apparently, the CGI in the film is so good, some people began wondering if dinosaurs ever existed at all. One of the catalysts for this was a post, social media post, from PETA, which ran on June 13th, the day after the release, that says, has a picture, and it says, quote, hashtag Jurassic World is proof that CGI is amazing and you don't need to use real animals to make a great movie. Whether it's a great movie is open to debate. What they're saying is, look, the special effects technology is so good now, we don't ever need to use real animals in movies again. So cats, dogs, birds, snakes, insects, and the like, they can all be CG'd. Somehow, that got either misread or incompletely read and made some people wonder if maybe this whole dinosaur thing wasn't some kind of, quote, elaborate hoax. That's a term used by J.R.W. Stormy in a tweet that came out before the film even was released. Though how good CGI ties into something the science has been talking about since 1842, I don't really know, but they have it. The Bible! As I said, the notion that dinosaurs aren't real has been around, honestly, since they were first discovered. The main group of doubters are hardcore Christians who say, look, dinosaurs are not mentioned in the Bible, so therefore they aren't real. Side note, cats are also not mentioned in the Bible, but I don't know of anybody who doubts their existence. Now, for the record, I do have to say that cats are mentioned in the book of Baruch, which is used in Orthodox Christianity, but is not used in the Protestant and Catholic traditions. 
Now, some Christians adhere to the notion that the earth is only 6,023 years old right now, as of this year. And so there's no way anyone could find fossils from millions of years ago. The point zero for this idea, we know, it's James Usher, with two S's, the Archbishop of Armagh and the primate of all Ireland. In 1650, he published a work that said he had calculated the age of the earth based on readings from the Bible and other things, and he had determined that the world was created on October 23rd, 4004 BCE. Other people had done similar work and come up with different years. In the 2nd century, a rabbi named Jose ben Halafta said that it was created in 3761 B.C. Johannes Kepler, the scientist, thought that the universe was created in 3993 B.C. And Isaac Newton thought, no, it's exactly 4000 B.C. So he and Usher were close to each other. So anyway, let's go with Usher. Anything that is evidence, quote-unquote, of something before 4004 BCE is false. Where did it come from? Why it came from Satan. Satan planted the dinosaur bones under the earth in order to cause people to doubt God's word and be led astray. Others thought, you know what? We don't even need to go into this whole Bible business. They're just another mythological creature like dragons, right? Even 200 years ago, the Chinese found dinosaur bones and thought they were dragons, which aren't real. Sorry, Game of Thrones fans, but they're not. So therefore, since dragons aren't real, dinosaurs also aren't real, which is spurious logic, but okay. Sometimes this is taken up ironically by people on the web who like to say that dinosaurs weren't real, but dragons are or were. Another Another brick brick in the Masonic Masonic wall. wall. Dinosaurs are part of a thought oppression campaign perpetrated by the Freemasons as part of their plan to control society. The proof? Just watch the Jurassic Park and Ice Age movies. These are incredibly popular and they generate an enormous amount of money for the Masons to use for the nefarious schemes. The Freemasons have co-opted National Geographic, Rupert Murdoch, and 20th Century Fox, among others, in this cynical scheme. The folks at a website called AtlanteanConspiracy.com go further. They say the hoax started in the mid-19th century because without dinosaurs, the false claims of evolution, which were kicked off by Darwin's book in 1859, needs the dinosaurs to be found correct, which isn't even a little bit true, but okay. The proof? If dinosaurs existed before the 19th century, then why weren't any found before then? And how come we're finding so many all the time now? Plus, a whole group of extinct animals was somehow figured out from what? Some teeth and a couple of big bones? Ha ha ha, don't make me laugh. I don't don't even even need need a reason. reason. Some people just disbelieve the whole dinosaur thing and don't even feel the need to replace it with a competing theory. One of these is Miami Dolphins defensive end William Hayes, who says, quote, It just doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't believe in dinosaurs, not even a little bit. On an episode of Hard Knocks in 2016, Hayes did say, however, that he does believe in mermaids. In fact, his coach said when he was playing for the St. Louis Rams that he got very, very excited about the prospect of the Rams moving back to Los Angeles because he'd be near the ocean and then maybe he'd get to see a mermaid. Also, when Mr. Hayes was on the Jimmy Kimmel show, he also said that he might believe in unicorns, but he doesn't believe in dinosaurs. His friend and former teammate on the St. Louis Rams, Chris Long, thinks that archaeologists place the bones under the earth and it's all a big conspiracy so they can siphon funding and trick people for some reason. Oiled Oiled and and ready. ready. 
it's a bit of a cliche or commonplace notion now that oil is dinosaurs. But plenty of people do not think that crude oil is actually made of ancient biomaterial. The arguments go like this. If oil is made of dinosaurs, then how come we don't find dinosaur fossils near reservoirs of oil? This is a question asked by a Reddit user named Tiger Eye Earth, who said that since dinosaurs are not found with, quote, not even a drop of crude oil, dinosaurs are actually all a marketing campaign to make us think that there is a limited amount of fossil fuel on Earth so that big oil can jack up the prices and make a huge profit. Tiger Eye Earth actually believes that oil is a naturally replenishing resource that excretes from rocks and it sits below the oceans of the world, quote, like vinegar in a salad dressing bottle. They live. Not all non-avian dinosaurs died 63 million years ago, and their descendants still live today. Deep in the Congo, natives talk of an elephant-sized creature with a long, flexible neck they call Mokela Mbembe, which means one that stops the flow of waters. This was first mentioned in 1909 by big game hunter Carl Hagenbeck, who'd heard of a monster described as half-elephant, half-dragon. He said it had to be a dinosaur, and of course, he wanted to bag it. German adventurer Hans Schomburg, while on safari near Lake Bangwelulu in Zambia, noticed that there were no hippopotami, so he assumed there must be some big creature living nearby that likes to eat hippopotamus. The idea of this one that stops the flow of waters persisted, and in 2001, the BBC went to the Congo and spoke to some of the people who lived there, especially some of the pygmy tribes, about this Mokele Mbembe, showing them pictures of lots of different kinds of known large animals. They almost universally identified it as a type of a rhinoceros. Rhinoceri don't really live in the area anymore, but a long, long time ago they did, and so the idea is, is that somehow these descriptions got handed down as part of their folklore, sort of a, a cultural memory of a time when they used to live near rhinoceri. Since then, other people have tried to make documentaries about this creature, but no one has ever seen it. Some of these gargantuans escaped destruction by either going deep underground or deep underwater where they still survive and thrive. The Loch Ness Monster Nessie is one of these, and so are dozens of other mysterious creatures that are spotted from time to time, like the Bear Lake Monster and the Lake Van Monster and the Selma Lake Monster. Lots of lakes. Deep lakes. Some say that they have evolved underground in the past 63 million years into much smarter creatures and now have vast underground cities. Some hollow earthers like this one. Have a yabba-dabba-doo time. The idea that humans and dinosaurs coexisted is a favorite. Of course, Again, dinosaurs died 63 million years ago. Homo sapiens sapiens evolved somewhere between 1.9 and 0.4 million years ago. So, no, they didn't. But that doesn't stop some people from thinking that maybe it's possible. And now we come to a variant on this, which is my favorite one of them all. The, the dinosaurs, dinosaurs built, built the, the pyramids. pyramids. Dinosaurs not only coexisted with humans, but they did not in fact die in the KPG event. They continued to live with humans for a very long time after that, and they even helped build the pyramids. So the pyramids at Giza were built around 2650 BCE, maybe. 
At a finished height of 146.6 meters, which is 481 feet, the Great Pyramid was the tallest building in the world until the 1300s CE. It weighs nearly 6 million tons, and it's constructed of 2.3 million limestone and granite bricks, some of which weigh as much as 70 or 80 tons each. A lot of work and research has been done into trying to figure out just how exactly the ancient Egyptians did this. Enter Professor Nabir Ibn al-Samud at the University of Cairo. He believes he's found the answer in some stone tablets in ancient papyri. He says these documents, essentially, mention that the Egyptians used creatures of, quote, enormous size. There is mention of something called the Ra-Untka, which means the god beast, which was tamed and used to carry huge stone blocks and to get them up so high. These creatures eat of the Nile's grass and have necks that reach the sky. And if their tails are not held down, they can kill an army of men. Now, back in 1912, paleontologists had found fossils of a very large dinosaur they called the Paralititan, but the site where they found it was lost. It was then rediscovered in 1999, and those fossils were unearthed in 2000. This dinosaur is estimated to have weighed 50 tons, been about 26 meters long, which is 85 feet, and be five times taller than a human. And then in 2014, fossils of a new species of Titanosaurus were found, which were somewhere between 9 and 12 meters long, or 30 to 40 feet, and weighed 13 tons. So they were certainly big enough creatures. Professor Al-Samud notes that Egyptian records were normally surprisingly accurate, so why, if this is fanciful, would there be suddenly fanciful things mixed in with all this assiduous record-keeping? He says we have to at least consider the possibility. And there are references to similar creatures elsewhere. The Narmer palette, which is a piece of siltstone covered in carvings, dates all the way back to the 31st century BCE. It shows two creatures with extremely long necks on leashes held by men. The bodies and faces look kind of lion-like, but maybe they're pictures of dinosaurs, like Brontosaurus. Vince Fennec, an evangelical preacher in Malta, thinks so. He says they are mentioned as helping build the pyramids in the book of Job. So according to him, dinosaurs do appear in the Bible. He mentions that Job has the word behemoth, which God created and gave great power to. When challenged on this, Fennec later said this is just his personal opinion. Creationists love this idea, actually, because it helps him with the whole the world is only somewhere between six and 10,000 years old idea. So for them, okay, dinosaurs were real, but humans are also real. And so dinosaurs were not millions and millions of years ago, but in fact lived with humans. Dr. Ben Carson, you know this guy, he tried to get the Republican nomination for president in 2016. And then in 2017, he became Donald Trump's HUD secretary. Well, in 2016, he said that he believed the pyramids were not, as commonly assumed, built as tombs, but they were built to store grain. He also said the structures would serve as impenetrable shelters, almost unconquerable by the Egyptians' worst enemy, dinosaurs. That's a quote. He doubles down on this. Quote, of course, since the world was only created several thousand years ago, and since the dinosaurs were created during the six-day creation week, the two must be linked somehow. The most direct proof of that is the fact that the pyramids were of the correct size, with walls strategically placed at an angle as to disable potential human-killing dinosaurs. So that's why they're angled, so the dinosaurs can't get in them. Pietalet, who is another researcher and a colleague of Professor Al-Samud, has also translated the texts 
And he says it doesn't mention dinosaurs. It mentions an elaborate system for moving stone blocks from a quarry eight miles away using boats during the Nile's flooding season. During this season, the waters of the river would actually reach just a few meters from the base of the pyramids. But the ideas still circulate. Some say the dinosaurs were domesticated beasts of burden. Others say that they were under the control of aliens who guided them with UFOs and then wiped them out when they didn't need them anymore. This would make things like the Giza pyramids and Stonehenge, which they also helped build, much older than science thinks. Whenever a people faced with a mystery, we don't like it. We like to fill it in, find the answer. Even the experts disagree, though like I said, the Alvarez hypothesis is the most common one now. We're pretty sure that's right. But for people who distrust science or have their own overarching theories in their minds, they will come up with a number of different ideas as to what happened to the dinosaurs. This, of course, bleeds into modern fears some people have of cloning and the idea that Jurassic World and Jurassic Park and all of these movies are not actually just fun fiction, but are in fact a statement of intent by the scientific community to bring back the dinosaurs, which will then wreak havoc upon our Earth. Well, I'll say this. Dinosaurs are cool, and the more we learn about them, the cooler they get. I'm 52 years old, but I still love dinosaurs. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.